Okay, now for our next message. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, and it is entitled, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Good afternoon, everyone. I have prepared a long sermon for this afternoon, but I can assure you, you'll wake up greatly refreshed. Actually, I hope to keep it down, but I, as I was uh, taking this, uh, <clears throat> the message here, I, you know, your cup runneth over sometimes, and you have all these scriptures that you want to apply to the message. On the handout that you have, when you underline the first letter of each word in the title to this sermon, it will say what this sermon is about. It's an acrostic that spells out G-R-A-C-E, grace. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says that by grace are you saved. And this is what the apostle Paul was uh, saying to the uh, saints the brethren at Ephesus. But let's begin here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you has he quickened it says. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now we could put ourselves into the role of these Ephesians. Who are hearing this word. Where in time past. If we think about our past. Where in time past. You walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the, war, of the air. So two things, there's a course of the world, and there we walked according also to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we all had, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we have a description of the way our attitude was before we came into the truth and into the grace of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, loves us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. So grace is a word that we've heard many times we understand it as unmerited favor, something not earned, something not de uh, deserved. But grace, we see, is a fundamental element to salvation, of being saved, namely from the automatic death penalty of sin. And it means inheriting eternal life through the grace of forgiveness. Eternal life, of course, means to live forever, but forever in a spiritual body that is far far different from our physical flesh and blood body and there will come a time we know when there will be a new heaven and a new earth and that all things will become new you know man has set his foot on the moon and now he plans you know time permitting of course to go to mars time will tell but spiritual beings no doubt will 
But man in his present state is temporary. So we see, as sometimes we see the stars that are above our head, of course, they're there for a reason. And, you know, people have tried to count all the stars, and uh, uh, there are just so many stars that, they're, uh, that you can't count them. I had this book, saw this book, I uh, can't remember the title, Science and God, I think it was, but in the book it mentioned that there were a hundred million, billion, billion stars, at least. So, what are they up there for? And each one of those have planets, and they have uh, moons that are, that are there. And you look at it in that light, you know, I think they are, they are ready for our future of eternal life. But man right now stands in the need of grace. He needs the mercy of God because if you look around the world today, you see so many things that are causing man to fail. So most people, of course, can appreciate what grace, gracious love means. This word grace is from the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, and its literal interpretation is gracious love. So most people can appreciate that because it is a divine nature that shows the beautiful side of patience, of understanding, forgiveness, love, and favor towards someone. So to be gracious also, it means to be courteous, it means to be kind, it means to be pleasant. And so we see in this grace that this is the divine nature of God the Father and Christ Jesus the Son. In Romans chapter 11, it says, Behold the goodness of God and the severity of God. You remember how before the flood, men were so corrupt and violent that God brought about a flood to destroy the world, that he, his spirit could not uh, always contend with them. But then we see Noah, who was righteous in his generation, found grace, and he found uh, mercy and was uh, spared from destruction along with his sons and daughters and today we're here because of that grace that grace that he found there at that time grace of course is often misunderstood by by some uh, believing that once saved you're always saved or that there is no need to have faith and obedience not under we're not under the law anymore but under grace what they believe now According to the word of God, it says that God is love. That's what the scripture says. And we also read that love covers a multitude of sins, of many wrongs and, and faults, many faults that we, that we have. In fact, you know, it says that God so loved the world that he sent his son to take away the sins of the world at his own risk, at Christ's own risk. So this is the gracious love of God through his son. So we must be careful to not abuse or take this grace for granted in our life. We also read that Jesus said this, that greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So Jesus did not give his life without purpose, for it being done and so what we look at today and what I hope to show today is that to believe in these words 
and the sacrifice of Christ is to come to know just what gracious love means and how that grace hardens us from all sins and can set us free of guilt and shame. But to understand this gracious love, we have to learn you know, what grace is and what it saves us from and where it's going to lead. And so by the way of remembrance, uh, to recall the grace of God in our life and the love that was shown through Jesus Christ. Now after writing out this sermon, I checked to see what my Nelson Bible commentary said and uh, briefly stated it said, grace is the basis of our salvation. And in salvation, those who deserve hell obtain heaven. So that's basically the, uh, the quote that was there, end quote. So anyway, what this means is that those who deserve punishment for their sins find mercy and life apart from, you know, uh, uh, punishment and death. And it's from this that I got the title of the sermon and this, where this acrostic is made because I'm not clever to have thought of that. And so I thought, well, that's a good title. So, so we see this acrostic. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2 again, by grace are you saved, it says, and we have learned this from uh, many sermons and many Bible studies that we have uh, made over the years and over time. It says that sin is a transgression of the law. And the penalty for sin is death. We know that from Romans 6.23. But it also says that the gift of God is eternal life. And so by grace we are saved through faith in Christ Jesus. In Acts, <coughs> turn my page here. In Acts 15.11 it says, But we believe this, we have faith, that is we believe in this, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they, speaking of the Gentiles who were given the Holy Spirit, and no difference was made between them and the Jew. So we ask the question, well what, is, what uh, law is it sin to break? What commandment to incur such uh, the uh, the punishment of death. In Romans 7, uh, that is Exodus uh, 20, 1 through 7, we find there the Ten Commandments, which we uh, won't go over, but you can uh, you know that already. But Romans 7, 7 tells us that, what shall we say then? In referring to these, these commandments, that Paul was speaking of, the, uh, he had not known the law, but the law said, thou shalt not covet. So he's referring to the Ten Commandments. So we also know that the commandments of God, they're defined as righteousness, Psalm 119, 172, and it says that all unrighteousness is sin. So 1 John, excuse me, Romans 7, knowing that sin is a transgression of the law, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. So we see here that there, on top of all these, is good news. Because all have sinned. And we're not called because we, aren't called because we are perfect or righteous, but we are called to come out of sin. So that's the good news. But through the gracious love of the Father and Jesus, the Son, 
personal sins can be forgiven and forgotten upon repentance. You read in Isaiah, in verse 16, it says, wash you, make you clean. You know, we see that this is an act of repentance, of putting away, it says to put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes and cease to do evil. So we think about, well, when you look around at the world today, the age that we live in, here is a call to repentance and a call to call upon the mercy and the grace of God before, you know, more trouble comes into uh, life. Verse 17, learn to do well. So, you know, it's a process of learning. You know, we make our mistakes, we do our faults, and then from that we're expected to not do them again. But learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Some of those things that will help us to uh, focus on others rather than ourselves. In verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So we see that God's commands also. They're not grievous as some would like to think. Because they like to say well they're impossible to do. But they're not. But God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. They're not grievous. In Psalm 103. About the mercy of God. And his grace. Psalm 103. Uh, verse 10 let's go to verse 10 he has not dealt with us after our sins neither will he keep his anger forever he has not dealt with us oh I read that for the uh, according to our iniquities for as the heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgression from us so we stand in good uh, said as we feel as we think about this and have faith and belief in these words that where we sit or where we, we stand we have this mercy and this grace that is toward us because in verse 13 like as a father pities his children so the Lord pities them that fear him for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust, that we're only here, that we're just temporary, that uh, we'll turn to dust whenever we're gone from this life. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. So it tells about our temporariness here in this life. But the mercy of the Lord's is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Jesus said in Matthew 3, verse 2, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, he he said, I came not to call the righteous, 
but sinners unto repentance. And in 1 Timothy 1.15 it says, This is a faithful saying, deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. But why not the righteous? Because as we read in Romans 3 and 10, there is none. says that all have sinned and we're all as an unclean thing and that even our righteousness is as filthy rags before God and to say we have no sin is to call God a liar but God is faithful and he's just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness to forgive and to cleanse us so you know over our time in life there's times when we're going to there's times when we are going to sin that we're going to need forgiveness and that we're going to be uh, need to be cleansed from all this unrighteousness first John uh, chapter 1 and verse 9 so no person is ever perfectly pure they're never perfectly righteous in thought or in deed because all are weak and there are temptations that can cause one to stumble and break God's commandments that's why we that's why we stand in need of this lifelong uh, saving grace of mercy uh, to, of forgiveness and being cleansed from all unrighteousness <clears throat> by grace we are saved through faith in God's gracious love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who is our atonement whose blood covers sin Romans chapter 5 through uh, let's read Verse 7 of Romans chapter 5. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life so these scriptures tell us the, the, how grace is in operation for us each and every day of our life and how it was intended from the beginning and how it is intended for uh, our future so we're saved through faith if you will seek him he will be found of you but if you forsake him it will cast you off because there's none that does good. No matter how perfect we try to be, there is none that does good. But that's not a condemnation of us. It's just to let us know that we do need this grace and this mercy uh, to, be, uh, to be with us. In Hebrews 11:6, we know that it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently uh, seek him. In First Chronicles chapter 28, verse uh, 9, uh, about our world today, there's not, I guess you could say, half of the world, or maybe three quarters of the world, very few people who are really trying to seek God, the real God that created the earth, the moon, the stars, the universe. And in First Chronicles 28, 9, it says, And thou, Solomon, uh, after King David, Solomon, my son, know you the God of your father, 
and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts if you seek him he will be found of you so you know if you if you, if you have your that page open to your Bible be good to underline if you seek him you he will be found of you and but if you forsake him he will cast you off forever so likewise in our Christian life we have come to understand and have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and we put our hand to the plow and there's no we can't look back and go back into sin or else there remains no more sacrifice for sin so the troubles this world faces is because it has forsaking forsaken the living word of the eternal it has chosen to go its own way a way that seems right but the end thereof are are, are death and the way of peace they know not in Psalm 14 verses 1 through 4 the fool has said in his heart that there is no God they are corrupt they have done abominable works there is none that doeth good verse 2 the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did uh, understand and seek God so we have this observance this the eyes of God how he does that that he looks down from heaven upon the children of men and we are all the children of men we are human beings born of a uh, man and a woman and he looks down to see if there were any that did understand and seek God they are all gone aside they are all together become filthy there is none that doeth good no not one so he observes this so we see that this truth is repeated in the New Testament in Romans chapter 3 as it is written there is none righteous no not one same thing we saw over uh, in the previous scripture there's none that understands there is none that seeks after God they're all gone out of the way they are to get altogether become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood you know they, uh, we can see this they don't think before they act destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace have they not known there is no fear of God before their eyes so faith often begins with a heartfelt search a heartfelt search for purpose in life we can look back upon our own how we came uh, to ask of God for his forgiveness to be baptized with his Holy Spirit and so to know God of course is to at least have some foundation of his truth which begins when when we're small and when we when we go to church or when we happen to just open the pages of the Bible and and find out more about it it says that there are two things two things that keeps Christians going one is that we must believe that God is 
one thing. Let's believe that he is and not be like the fool who said in his heart there is no God. Because he can look around the world and see how things have been created, the perfection of things, the complexity of things, how everything is put together, not by a blind, uh, a blind eye, but by the hand of God. That's one thing. Must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he is a gift giver of those who diligently seek him. That's, you know, that's kind of the operative word there too. Because to uh, be diligent in seeking him. So our knowledge of, of God for most of us began when we were young and attending church. But often as not, sometimes temptation and, and, seed and sins lead many away from that truth and godliness. To go astray and due to weakness and, and depart from the faith, which will happen in the last days. And hopefully, like a prodigal son, you know, they will come back around. Romans chapter 5. over all of these scriptures that I have so I don't keep you I see I have about 15 minutes here Romans 5 verse 8 through 12 which I've already read but verse 10 for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God how by the death of his son and much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life so we know that Jesus is at the right hand of God as an intercessor for us. But we do know that God has blinded some from the truth. He does not give his you know, spirit without uh, wise thought. And he entrusts his spirit to us that we will not reject it. In Isaiah chapter 66 2. I don't think I have this on your handout. But it says... Uh, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. But, you know, in Matthew chapter 13, we read about uh, how easily distracted people can be when they're given the seed of truth. There are many things in life that choke it off to where they forget it or neglect it or just don't follow up on it. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17, it says that faith comes by hearing of and studying God's word. Jesus said, you know, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. So, in John, in John chapter 5, this is Jesus speaking, verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, verse 37, has borne witness of me. You've neither heard his voice at any time. Nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent. Him you believe not. But search the scriptures. For, I, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, of me. He was saying him you don't believe in. And so they doubted who he was. As, as the son 
of God, that he was a, a false messiah. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it is the last time or the last days. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. They went out from us, but they were not of us, or else they would have continued with us. Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you heard from the beginning, shall remain in you. You also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. As we know, there are many things in, in uh, books and documentary programs that say, you know, the, the earth began uh, from, you know, not inorganic things and that Christ was not a real person, but that uh, he was just a, a, a mythical person. Antichrist. But we know that Christ will, there will be a reward for everla of, of everlasting life. I want to skip on down to, uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 5. I don't know if that's on your handout, but we know that grace does not mean one can ignore the keeping of God's commandments. So some think Christ did away with the law, that once saved means you're, uh, you're always saved. But Jesus said in Matthew uh, 5, 17 through 19, that if you love me, keep my commandments and think not that I am come to destroy or loosen up the law as the translation says or loosen up the law I'm not come to destroy or that is to annul it but to fulfill you know that we've been taught that that means to fill it up make it full make it complete or to level up so Jesus came to magnify that law uh, saying that not only is it a sin to commit the act or the deed but to also think it in the heart to hold it, to hold sin in the heart or in the mind. For example, in Matthew uh, 5, uh, 21, 22, 27, 28, uh, that to have hatred is the same as murder or to look upon a woman or even another person to lust after that person is as the act of adultery. So, in that famous question, we read where the Apostle Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he said, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So it's, it's, we live in Christ. We live in grace. Simply, repentance means to no longer live in sin. So we come to accept Jesus Christ come under grace freed from sin no longer under the under the law but if we sin willfully after that we have we receive uh, after we receive the knowledge of truth there remains no more sacrifice for sin either the weather has changed or uh, I'm just uh, wearing this coat too heavy but it seems pretty warm <laughs> the spotlight I guess but uh, you remember uh, where uh, the woman that was caught in adultery and she was getting ready to be stoned and he said uh, to those that were ready to stone her for adultery caught in the very act that let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And so they all departed and Christ said to, to her neither do I condemn you and 
What did he tell her? He said, he said, go and sin no more. So that mercy and that grace has that uh, contingent to go and sin no more. In Galatians 5.18, it says, if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, that is the law, that is a penalty, the automatic death penalty for sin. We're to put on the new and give not place to the devil and, uh, and sin not. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 32, You're familiar with the scripture that says, then being made from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in uh, the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Some good advice here we read in this. Putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. So, you know, in all this labor, sometimes there's just a lot of people that just want to keep what they make, keep it to themselves. And, but then we see here, uh, to work with his hands a thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, the Holy Spirit that was given to us, the law of God written in our hearts and in our mind, that as we encounter some situation or temptation in our life, that spirit will uh, lead, it will guide. But it's our... But, it's up to us whether, what we want to do, what choice we want to make. Do we want to just uh, grieve the Holy Spirit or do we want to honor the Holy Spirit, God's uh, Christ's mind in us? Let all bitterness, do we have bitterness? Let all wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Sometimes it's hard to... Uh, to let our anger and our clamor and evil speaking uh, go, go out. But it says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. We know this, that at the, time, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Skip on down to verse 13. For it is God which works in you, 
both to will and to do of his pleasure, his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I, and this is Paul speaking, that we put ourselves in there, that we may rejoice in the day of Christ, that we have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Colossians 3, chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, and do all in the name that is in the honor of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. <coughs> It says in verse 18 that wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fits in the Lord. You know, husbands can make wrong decisions. I, I've done that. I, I do that. When you know it's wrong, you know, and you're, you're the wife, uh, when it's wrong, you cannot always submit. So it has to be in, in, in godliness. And I know that, you know, sometimes some men take this too literally and cower their wives into submission if they don't get their way. That's, uh, ask Carolyn that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. I'm the one who gets cornered. So, this is just not fitting in the Lord. So, in addition to that, so, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And so we know that in this relationship, there must be, you know, love. There must be wise direction so that children may understand why there are rules. And again, to not be overbearing. Because, so, verse 21, fathers, provoke, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Verse 22, servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that do, does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done, and there is no respect of persons. 2 Peter verse 1, 2 uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So it takes diligence because day by day there are various things that can distract us and turn us away, take us away to where you kind of drift out. And then you have to do a lot of paddling, Sails right in the right direction to get back. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you make your calling and election sure, this uh, means the everlasting kingdom. The NIV says you will receive a rich welcome into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now Hebrews 4 Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. 
For we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we, as we are yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help to help in time of need. Romans 5, verse, two, uh, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, justified by faith and all that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Finally, Ephesians chapter 6, one to remember. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen.